Welcome to the. I'm just kidding. You're on episode 111 of Predetermined. I'm your host, Garrett Callender. Fear me. You will. I'm the other guy on this show. My name is Derek Halpin. Welcome to Predetermined. <laughs> For those of you who understood that reference, good on you. I don't know if I did. Was that from something we just watched? Yeah, it is from something we just watched. So you're already dropping the ball between thinking that this is a fucking bonus zone for some reason and then not getting the reference on the video that I sent you earlier today. Okay, that's what I thought it was. That's yeah. what I thought it was. And I am fucking ready to talk about that. You should enter this podcast prepared for me to make pro wrestling references and what what's going on. How are you doing, Garrett? It's been a while. Since, I'm good. but It's been a while since we've opened with talking about wrestling. So... That's true. We usually deviate and talk about what's going on in our lives, but considering the circumstances that we are not going to be talking about this week, we're going to be going right into pro wrestling. In fact, for this week's episode, we did a little something special. We hopped in our time machine and we went back in time. We went back to when we were game show host. We were eight years old. We were eight. We were eight. Right? Fuck. That is wild. Yeah, you're right. We went back to 1995 for this week's episode. Do you, did you, okay, straight off the bat, great idea on your end to come up with this as the the plan for this week's episode. We said we were going to do something a little bit different, not focus on the now. I didn't expect you to go back 25 years to WCW <laughs> for this week's episode. Um, I will start off before we get into the actual wrestling part. Did you watch WCW at all? In 1995, or at least around this time period? Absolutely. Hulk Hogan was my dude. You were watching WCW in 1995. I was. There's some of this that we watch today that I vaguely, vaguely remember. The majority of what I had seen from this time period, though, probably would have been just, you know, renting the tapes in a video store. So you were probably, but I mean, our video store got shit late. So you were probably watching this in 1996. Oh yeah, like I wasn't I wasn't right on time with these pay-per-views. Do you remember um back when it was actually a, like a relevant show? Do you remember WCW Saturday Night? See, it's one of those things where when I go back and watch the footage of it, I do remember seeing it. But I like don't it was on do what channel was it on for us and what time because I know it was on kind of late, right? I mean, I was eight years old. I have no idea. <laughs> well, but I mean, when we, I remember watching it. Hey, Claw, it's the only thing on this show that's current from the year 2020. <laughs> it's 1995. You're listening to two eight-year-old hosts discuss the current state of professional wrestling before the the blow up of the Monday Night Wars and the Attitude Era and the NWO and DX. No, a little bit before that. Um, I do remember. In 97 and 98 and 99, watching WCW Saturday Night. Um, but that was when it was basically for the leftovers. That was back. That was like WCW's version of uh, Shotgun Saturday. You remember that? No. What was Shotgun? You don't remember? You don't remember WWF Shotgun Saturday? When? What was it on? You're really like fucking Saturday. I think it was on one of the local channels, honestly. I think it was like, it was basically, so WWF at the time had Sunday Night Heat, which they ran for an hour 
I think it was on USA Network, and they if there was a pay per view, they would run it an hour before. But WCW had WCW Saturday Night, um, and uh, for a while there would actually be stars that would show up, and that, they had like the the tech arena. You know, that looks like it's from where they designed, like, robots and shit. They've got the red spinny light and the bay doors that open up. Did they always... So, that really, really looks like a wrestling venue I've been to. I wonder if they filmed all of that in Atlanta at um, Center Stage. That's very possible. You might need to do some research into that. Yeah, I need to look that up because that looks like the exact same venue that I would go to those Ring of Honor shows at in Atlanta. Well, let me put it to you this way. Um, th- if you go back to this mid-90s WCW roster, it's actually somewhat like of a stacked roster. Like, it's not bad. And from the stuff that we watched, I was highly entertained. I'm not going to tell you that all of it was good wrestling. I mean, some of it actually was. Oh. Some of it actually was better wrestling than I expected to find. Yeah, no, today I basically found out that 1995 WCW is my shit right now. And I know we've got a lot of people going back and binge watching the Sopranos and Game of Thrones. Uh Uh-uh. I'm binge watching WCW pay-per-views from 95, baby. And I am, it's shorter than an average raw to watch one of these pay-per-views. It's true. You know what you should do? Your mission should be to watch WCW basically up until the moment Hogan turns heel and joins the NWO. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. Like, How many just years? just burn through. So basically you get to see the death of what was WCW before Hall and Nash showed up. Already with the shit that I've watched, I've gotten to see some big moments. I got to see the, the first time the giant appeared. You know, Paul White, a.k.a. The Giant, went to my college, right? I did not know that. Paul White was a uh, is an SIUE alumni. He played basketball there for the Cougars. How did that not come up when we were talking about the big show? show? I think that it. I think I brought it up before. I just don't think you remember. If I didn't bring it up, I apologize. It's been a topic of conversation uh, amongst me and my friends for a long time. My friends and I. Fuck you. Well, you know, Lori uh, Metcalf also went to your college. She did, and she donated the money that they used to build a theater there. You know, the killer from Scream 2 and Roseanne. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, this is a period of WCW that I really don't know much about. In fact, if you follow wrestling history at all, they kind of shit on this era. Like you'll, I mean, you'll hear members of like the Click shit on anything WCW anyway, but particularly right before fucking Hall and Nash get there, they make it seem like there was nothing redeemable about this period at all. Au contraire, Click, not true at all. <laughs> there is plenty. I, I the funny thing is, I'm kind of saying it tongue in cheek, but at the same time. If you, if they were running WCW 1995 head to head with Monday Night Raw now in 2020, I would probably be watching WCW 1995. <laughs> that is, I mean, and you may shake your fucking head, but guess what? You're fucking wrong. Go back and check out some of this stuff. 
I was highly entertained by the stuff we watched. And the funny thing is, Garrett, you went ahead. Not only did you go back 25 years ago, you went back 25 years ago f- to this period in the year. You went back to basically March, May, and then the, like June or July. I think I guess it would be July, right? Of the, the three that I watched? Yeah. See, yeah, March, May, and June. Garrett snuck in an extra pay-per-view that I didn't get to watch coming into this podcast. That's fine. I'm not bitter. I got two out of those three. We went back and checked out WCW um, Uncensored. I believe it was the first Uncensored pay-per-view. WCW Slamboree and WCW Great American Bash from 1995. Unsanctioned. Uncensored. Unpredictable. Predictable. Unstoppable. (laughs) Un everything un un which un fucking which this show <laughs> Derek had some star power uh yeah we saw Hulk Hogan we saw Vader we saw Ric Flair we saw Randy Savage and we saw a lot of jizzes yeah uh, I think that's the thing you're gonna find out about a uh, mid nineties WCW would you consider the Nasty Boys like just two jizzes. <laughs> so you know how. <laughs> so you know how the bullet club. Which is kind of an appropriate name. Like those are. Jizz doesn't have a mom and a dad. He just has two dads. And it's. <laughs> it's it's Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sacks. And Nobbs. <laughs> I like this story so much. <laughs> This is the fucking jizz prequel that I didn't know I needed until this moment. Right now, Nobbs is walking around in a shirt that says the OCJIZ, not realizing there's two Zs. <laughs> oh my god. I want a WWE storyline where Jizz finds out that his two dads are Sags and Nobbs. And he's they, trying to introduce his new girlfriend to them. They were both with the same lady, but it could have been either. They don't want to do the DNA test because they both love good guy Otis so much. Yep. yep. Oh, this is wonderful. We're tying everything back in eventually. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, lots of lots of jizzes. For those who've been listening to the show for a while, you get it. You know what we're talking about. Yeah, but the reason we watched this pay-per-view in particular... Yeah, opening match. Opening match. I had no idea it was going to be the opener when that just popped right on. Oh, so did I. And did you go into that thinking, like, I'm going to watch this match because of, you know, what it is, but I'm probably turning it off after this. Was that your mentality? It's always my mentality, and I find that when I go to watch something, I typically always watch the follow-up match just to see what, what, you know, had to go after the crazy shit. I have to give you props. You've been pretty consistent on getting sucked into that since we started the podcast. I have put homework on your desk, and you've done it, and then you've done the extra credit. For some reason, <laughs> Like you'll just leave it on, and you discover things on your own, and for that, I am proud of you. Thank you. So we tuned in. Uh, where, where, first of all, where did you get the idea from? for watching this match, the first match of Uncensored 1995. So I was just trying to go back and think of some garbage matches or matches that are typically considered shitty that uh, you and I had not discussed yet or ones that maybe I had never even seen. And one of the first ones that came to mind was this King of the Road match. 
between Dustin Rhodes and, and what was his name? Bully? Black Top Bully. Black Top Bully. I well, believe they were in his semi. <laughs> well, I mean, he is the master of the Black Top Road, right? Absolutely. That was the idea. Absolutely. And how would you describe uh, this match to the listeners, Derek? So here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> In an era where we are just salivating for more cinematic wrestling, guys, if you want to go back, this is basically the the savage steamboat of cinematic wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are talking about a big rig, motherfuckers, a giant ass truck hauling a flatbed what is attached to this flatbed a lot of things are attached to this flatbed number one two professional wrestlers the other things on that flatbed bunch of bales of hay all of this on the flatbed attached to this truck is encased in a cage is it a pro wrestling cage not really it's something between like a steel cage that you'd put around a ring and chicken wire that's the perfect way to describe it it is somewhere it is a little sturdier than chicken wire but not much at all right uh did i mention bales of hay out the wahoo <laughs> and what's the goal of this match well number 1 the truck that i just mentioned is moving it is in motion. It is going down the road. As Bobby Heaton put it, truck is speeding along at 55 miles an hour, but I swear to God, if you're watching this for the first time, that truck is going parade speed at best. <laughs> they do get to some straightaways where they get up to some highway speed, but you're they right. They do get, right, but again, we have to trust that that's movie magic. They were probably filming this this drive for a good three hours to get maybe 15 minutes of footage. So this, it, you are right in saying that it's cinematic. Yeah. Because they had helicopter shots. They had helicopter shots. They had the way movie studios do chase scenes. They had a truck, a pickup truck following alongside this giant semi truck, pulling a flatbed of wrestling mayhem catching the footage as they went garrett i didn't even get to the best part you have to win this match one way and one way only and that's by climbing up to the front of the truck of to the front of the trailer climbing the uh cage slash wire slash pin and you have to honk the horn that's it that's it that's how you win <laughs> In a strap match or a bull rope match, you got to touch all four corners of the ring. Not in this match. The truck's in motion. You need to make your way to the front and honk the horn. This sounds like a pretty hot match to watch live. Garrett, I can only imagine the thrill of being in my front yard doing some chores <laughs> on a spring night in 1995 and seeing... <laughs> <laughs> a trailer truck filled with mayhem being pulled down the road at breakneck speeds, bales of hay shooting straw everywhere, and two men beating the shit out of each other for an obscenely long amount. Of, like, nothing really exciting happens, but there's the drama of dudes <laughs> falling off of this fucking fencing and 
any the, to me the best part about this match is anytime that truck took a turn <laughs> and they all just spilled to one side it looked it looked like they filmed this match on the back roads of the set of Twister where they filmed the first two tornado chases in the movie that sounds accurate was, is that fair to say that's fair to say it's not <laughs> It's not like downtown Tupelo, Mississippi. Are you sure? Because Bobby Heenan told me that we saw it when he well, drove when they drove past a trailer park. This go this should go without saying, but I gotta give props to the man himself. Bobby Heenan is a national fucking treasure. Are we in agreement on that? Oh, his commentary was beautiful throughout the entire pay per view, not just that one match. Bobby Heenan has never had an off night on the microphone, as far as I'm concerned. You get one gym every fucking night, guaranteed. At least. Usually more than one. And what was what was his line as they're driving around the back roads of Tupelo? We don't even know that that's actually where they filmed this, by the way. I read that they filmed it somewhere around Georgia, or somewhere around that, Atlanta. That is not surprising at all. What was Heenan's line as they passed by like a farmhouse? When he said, like, look at that sky, that skyscraper, <laughs> two stories. <laughs> look at the, with the skyline of beautiful downtown Tupelo, Mississippi in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there was the scariest pile driver I've ever seen in that in this match. match? Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a really fast-paced pile driver, but when you're moving 55 miles an hour down the highway, that's a pretty high-stakes pile driver. It is a pretty high-stakes pile driver. <laughs> Everything about that match was high-stakes. <laughs> Everything about it. In fact, the stakes were so high that by the time the match was done, both men were fired. <laughs> now, they didn't know that. But they found out later. Do you know what they got fired for? Uh, for putting on a match that nobody could top. <laughs> they got fired because both of them bladed during the match. And there was a no blading policy in WCW. So why this match looks so shitty and it was filmed and it shouldn't look that shitty is they're trying to obstruct their faces as much as they can. So you don't see the blood. So they were trying to enhance this match because it, on paper they like they were looking at this going this is going to be dog shit this is probably not going to work. Um let's add some blood. People like blood. And they were probably like this is a technicality because we're not in a ring. We're not at a venue. This is barely even WCW. We're just going on a drive to the next town as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> let's have a match. Let's see what happens. Isn't it insane to get fired over a pre-tape? That you know, I if we were going to interview Dustin Rhodes, I would have so many questions for him about this match in particular. Like you could argue that this match led to Gold Dust. In fact, you don't even have to argue. This match led to Gold Dust. If he hadn't bladed that night, he wouldn't be wearing makeup today. Correct. <laughs> 
when you see the natural Dustin Rhodes wrestling in AEW and a one-piece wrestling tight outfit that's not gold, it's black and red, but it's clearly inspired by his time as gold dust in WWE. It's because of this match. You can trace everything back to this. Just two assholes uh, rolling down the road, 55 miles an hour, a helicopter filming it from a distance. You watch it from a distance the majority of the time. Like the announcers are barely calling it because they can't see anything. Um, And why would they ever go back to the other end of the trailer when the horn is on the one end? But this match lasted 15 minutes and it brought me a lot of joy. It lasted 15 minutes and it opened the fucking pay-per-view. I want to know what they told the live crowd in attendance at Uncensored. Like, you don't have to come to your seat necessarily. You could just watch this from the concession stands if you'd really like to. Go make, go buy a shirt, get some popcorn, and uh, in about 15, 20 minutes, the live part of the show will begin. <laughs> yes. In the meantime, enjoy the shitty angles of this road... What the king of the road match is what it's called. King of the road. But yeah, just sit there. Don't worry. Soon enough, Meng's going to come out here. He's going to have a martial arts match with Jim Duggan. What is a martial arts match? It's, it's a pro wrestling match. It's a pro wrestling match. But it's not a king of the road match. If you've ever wanted to watch two professional wrestlers fight each other while in motion, it's basically a sequel to the Fast and Furious franchise in the past. Uh, that'd be a prequel. Yeah, whatever. I would go ahead and say it's like the Patrick Swayze movie Black Dog. That's a whole I action movie that. about. Tr- that's a whole action movie about truckers. All right, just take my word Who, for that one. <laughs> can we talk about the fact that Dustin Rhodes did not win this match? No, he uh, again, neither really, neither did he, neither of them really won. If anything, it was a double count out. <laughs> uh, so go, going back to this martial arts versus wrestler match, is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, it's that Ming. Did you look at this as a martial arts match at all? What were the martial arts rules? I don't understand. There was so much weird shit to start this pay-per-view. This was this was WCW in like 45 minutes. <laughs> this this whole pay-per-view's idea is supposed to be that there's no rules, that every match is no DQ, that nothing is just a regular wrestling match. And this kind of was just a regular wrestling match if I remember correctly. I just remember feeling like as a kid like WCW had all these different names for their pay-per-views and this one was called uncensored. And I remember feeling like, Oh man, this one's different than all the other ones. Like at the uncensored pay-per-view, they can use swear words. You might see a tit. There's going to be blood. And <laughs> I feel like I only got two out of those three things with this pay-per-view and not really that much blood. Yeah. The blood, the, the blood you saw got people fired. It did. Um, as far as Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Ming, what the hell is Haku's problem? What do you mean, what's you get, his problem? You get that reference? Are you fucking high? No, I'm not. You get that reference? I don't think I got it. Uh, remember last year and the build to, I guess two years ago, and the build to All In? When the Bullet Club was fighting, and they got attacked by the oh god, fucking, 
how how the fuck you missed that hurts my feelings. You're right. It was all of them sitting there on that couch. And what did Cody ask? What the hell is Haku's problem? <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan not in Hacksaw Jim Duggan attire is really fucking weird. Yeah. I was kind of hoping he was going to come out in martial arts uh, gear, though. That would have been fantastic if he'd come out in a fucking robe with a fucking black belt and the American flag and a two by four that he fucking chops and breaks. Did, do you have any connection with Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Like, is there growing up? Were you ever a fan of his? Is he somebody you enjoy? I know he's a wrestling icon. I know there's a lot of fucking wrestlers that look up to him and and. I mean, I don't really have a lot of memories with him. I think he was literally in that era right before we came around. You know what I mean? Like, I'm th- I think, like, Hacksaw, I think, was a star in, like, the 80s. And I just don't remember much 80s wrestling because I was born in 87, man. That's fair. That's um, fair. I do remember in WCW in the late 90s, I remember Scott Hall throwing out the WCW television championship into the trash and Hacksaw Jim Duggan had been made into a janitor, and he found the title in the garbage <laughs> and named himself the television champion. I remember this. That is my memory of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Him as a janitor getting the title out of the trash. Correct. That's sad. It is sad. Can I tell you my only, the only Hacksaw story I have? I was at uh, WrestleCon in Dallas. And I saw Hacksaw had a table that was just filled with little two by fours and that he was like, signing. And right. I watched some drunk guy go by and it's like, oh, my God, Hacksaw, can I get a picture? And he's like, absolutely, man. And he took the picture and his kid saying, Dad, you have to charge people. That's why we're here. So Hacksaw was just being too fucking nice. Good guy Hacksaw Jim Duggan out there just throwing up thumbs and taking pictures with people for free. The question is, did you run up to Hacksaw and pay him for a picture in a two-by-four? I did not. So, uh, third on this <laughs> fucking show. <laughs> um, the, again, peak WCW. Is this, is this the boxer versus wrestler match? Yes. The next match was Johnny B. Bad. With uh, up against Arn Anderson in a boxer versus wrestler match. And the rules of this match, Arn Anderson can win with wrestling rules, but Johnny B. Bad can only win by knocking out Arn Anderson. Well, how's that fair? There were, I saw that there were two-minute rounds. I laughed at the fucking dated clock that they decided to throw in the middle of the fucking screen for these rounds. Two minutes. I don't know how the scoring worked. I don't know who the judges were. I just know that Johnny B. Bad became Mark Marrow in WWF. And Mark Marrow brought in Sable. They were dating. So what did Johnny B. Bad bring? Nothing. Not a goddamn thing. How do you feel about Arn Anderson in 1995? Arn Anderson in the mid nineties was apparently still the shit. I kind of mean the shit as a good thing. Yeah. Of the, all the people that we watched, honestly, I think Arn Anderson might've been one of my favorite guys. You feel like you have a newfound respect for Arn Anderson. Yeah. Guy's kind of badass. 
do you remember when we were doing this show live in the uh, lobby of the Hyatt Regency in Schaumburg, Illinois, uh, at StarCast, and our friend Eli just came back from meeting Arn Anderson? I do remember that. He was so excited. We, we called him up on stage and wanted to have a moment with him, but he was just fucking awestruck, and he was numb because he met fucking Arn Anderson. Do you feel a little bit of that right now? Do you understand it more? I get it more. I feel bad that I didn't appreciate Eli's meeting of Arn Anderson a little bit more at the time. You've met um, my stepdad, Bruce, before, haven't you? He, I know what you're about to say, and yes, he does yeah. look a little like Arn Anderson. <laughs> Bruce came up to me when, when I was younger. I want to say the late 90s. That makes sense. Apparently somebody had approached him somewhere and told him that he looked like Arn Anderson. And I had to be the one to break the news to him. Like, yeah, you do just a little bit, even down to the glasses. <laughs> Arn Anderson would be a fun Halloween costume. Arn Anderson. <laughs> that is not where I was expecting that to go. <laughs> Arn Anderson owns what many people consider to be the greatest spine buster in the history of professional wrestling. Was it's hard to argue. Which pay-per-view was it at? Was it at one of the ones, was it at All Out where we saw the Spinebuster again? I think it was at All Out. Or would that have fact. been Double or Nothing? I don't remember. They're all, they all run together these days. I can't remember. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, this was when Arn Anderson could still wrestle. This was like the final few years of Arn Anderson's career in the in the ring and he was still putting on quality matches um i don't know if that's that was the case here with johnny b bad uh why the fuck did they just book three gimmick matches right up front (laughs) because it's uncensored baby no no it's because it's wcw baby and because (laughs) they just didn't trust their fucking talent to go out and wrestle can we talk about the running joke all night of Bobby Heenan reminding Tony Schiavone that it's uncensored and Tony Schiavone getting increasingly more irritated and how fucking hilarious that was. <laughs> Anytime something would happen and Tony Schiavone would seem flabbergasted by that, Bobby Heenan would be like, you know, Schiavone, it's uncensored. Anything can happen all night long to the point where eventually Shivani starts turning around on Heenan by the end of the show. That was fucking storytelling at its finest. (laughs) It's uncensored. By the time fucking Hogan comes out on top at the end of that show, it, that it's uncensored has been turned around. Oh fuck, man. Um, yeah, yeah, nothing compares to that fucking opening match to this point. What was match number four, sir? Uh, the next one was Randy Savage versus Avalanche, which was maybe the most controversial match of the night. What made this one controversial again? Well, it ended in a DQ on a night where there were no DQs. (laughs) That's true. I completely (laughs) forgot. (laughs) That's difficult to process. Can we talk about the fact that? God damn it. Don't you just got done letting reminding me that a uh, Bobby Heenan said over and over again, it's uncensored. Anything could happen. One match ends in a disqualification because of somebody <laughs> interfered. 
<laughs> and remember, this is WCW's first time doing uncensored. It wasn't like they hit like it was like three years in and they backed themselves into a corner. No, this was their first time out there. That should have been a strict guideline for every match. It's like, oh, well, it's uncensored. We can't do the usual shtick. So, yeah, a lady in a dress comes in and starts beating the shit out of Randy Savage. Wig comes off. Turns out it's, it's Ric Flair. It's Ric fucking Flair. He's got full eyeliner. He's got lipstick. His fingernails are painted. He really got into this character of this lady to beat up Macho Man. And he stayed in costume for a good long while. He had the eye- eyeliner on the rest of the night. He did, even for the post-match fucking promo. <laughs> wow. The commitment. Do you, do you get a little bit excited when you see, like, you're watching a wrestling card from this time period, and there's just a fucking Macho Man Randy Savage match in the middle of the card? Just a mid-card Macho Man. Yeah. That Ric Flair pops up in. Yep. Yes. This is what was going on before the NWO was running terror on the land. Well, I don't know if you happen to look and see what was, because um, they actually did have some dark matches before the King of the Road match for the live crowd. That makes so much sense. And those ended up being, I guess, main event used to be WCW. It said that's what that aired on. Okay. Because they would film the dark matches and aired on main event. Uh, one of those matches was under 90 seconds, but it did include Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. Or stunning Steve Austin. And stunning Steve Austin, yes. So, but you know, before that all started, that. we got some Steve Austin, we got some Alex Wright. Save both of those names for later, because we have things to talk about. Absolutely. Um, what happens after the Macho Man Randy Savage Avalanche match? Uh, then we went into Bubba, Big Bubba Rogers versus Sting. Holy shit. Do you love it? This match, I actually had a lot of fun with this match. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know if I knew much about Big Bubba Rogers as a WCW entity, um, but I can tell you this much: I wasn't expecting him to get the W over the Stinger. <laughs> I was not either. I thought there's no way that's fucking happening. Did don't you worry. like Beach Sting as a kid? The first, I think that's how we started off this fucking podcast a couple of years ago. The first pro wrestling action figure I remember owning was a WCW Beach Sting action figure. I think I got it like for a birthday or something. Um, you see, this is what's weird. Is I remember when I was a kid, it was hard to differentiate between Beach Sting and Ultimate Warrior. Basically the same makeup, but one has more to say. One has a flat top, a blonde flat top with a rat tail. The other one just has long hair and, and uh, armbands. And just screaming, running on steroids, high on cocaine. I can tell you which one I like more now as an adult. Which? Beach Sting. Okay. (laughs) It's weird that we have to call him Beach Sting. Did they call him Beach Sting at the time, or did we just call him Beach Sting in in retrospect? I think that's his full name, Beach Sting in retrospect. Uh, yeah, uh, go, this match was fine. There was nothing. uh, The funny thing is they really did a good job of selling that sting was hurt for a good long while in this match and, uh, brought up past leg issues. And, uh, fact of the matter is, uh, stings, sting loses to fucking big Bubba. 
The next match I think I loved so much that I kind of forgot about the Sting match. Lay it on me. So the next match is the Nasty Boys versus Harlem Heat. Oh, my God. Falls this count nasty... anywhere. <laughs> well, it's uncensored, Garrett. Of course it is. <laughs> um, how are you feeling about this awesome Nasty Boys uh, Harlem Heat feud that's oh. going on in the spring of 1995? Derek, this shit carries over to the next pay-per-view, and then it carries the story carries over. They're going on for a while. I'm loving it. I'll be honest. I went in thinking I wasn't going to like the Nasty Boys. I left a Nasty Boys fan. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you're leaving to the, this show as a nasty boys fan. How do you feel about the gym? Nasty boys. <clears throat> Moving on, uh, back to this match. <laughs> the Can best. I just tell you, I think I squirted a little bit of piss out of my wiener when Brian knobs <laughs> went to hit one of the Harlem heat guys with a, a, some kind of stick and he slipped he busted his ass. <laughs> are you are you are you combusting over there? I'm holding in laughter right now because that was he just fell so fucking hard. I lo- so hard, <laughs> and it wasn't an on purpose fall. They- so was that an actual concession? It was not. It was an accidental fall, which is what made me piss. <laughs> it was like, have you ever seen the movie Along Came Polly? Philip Seymour Hoffman, right at the beginning of that movie, takes one of the hardest falls I've ever seen, and I love it. And this brought me back to that moment. Um, was this an actual concession area, or was this a mock-up stage, like a like a set of a concession area? This was definitely a like maybe they were there as a concession area stage, you know, like on site to be used, but they definitely weren't in use at that time. They were Correct. off to the side. They are busting up everything, beating the shit out of each other. And this wasn't even for the titles, was it? Uh, this, is, this was a match that just ended and they suggested that somebody got pinned. They, oh, my God. Yeah. So they're just basically they start in the ring. They end up in the concessions. Everything's wet and everyone's falling down. And suddenly the match is just over. But and then, then the announcers just have to cover for it, and they're like, I guess a pinfall happened. And then they and go the back, gym- and yeah, were you getting ready to say one of the gym nasty boys? I was. <laughs> it's hard to get out of it. One of the nasty boys, they announced that they won, but I don't think it was for the titles, because why didn't they walk out with the titles if they won? No, because it wasn't the, uh, the titles were on the line the next pay-per-view. Correct. Yes. So because they beat them in this match... They got a title shot, I guess, is how it worked. That would make sense. But there was probably like three weeks of TV we missed in between. I mean, there was more than that. This pay-per-view was in March and the fucking next one was in May. Jesus, you're right. They built that for a long time then. (laughs) TV worked differently back then. It was not instant gratification the way it is now. Um, Yeah, this this Nasty Boys versus Harlem Heat feud was, was hot. It was hot fucking shit. And let me tell you. This one was worth pulling up because if you want to see a man take a nasty spill mid fight, <laughs> this has got exactly what you're looking for. You want to see Brian Knobs bust his ass so fucking hard. To make a to make a note, did you notice that on this show it seemed like there were multiple promos where it felt like somebody said, "All right, wrap it up, cut." Like they would be in the middle of talking and rambling, and then suddenly they would just be over. <laughs> 
go back and watch this shit. Uh, what happened after the uh, uh, Nasty Boys Harlem Heat match? Well, all you can do after that is give a main event. Absolutely. What's our main event? Our main, our main event is Hulk Hogan, who's going to be bringing out a super special guest named Ren- the, the, uh, the Renegade. And he is facing Vader with Ric Flair. So Ric Flair's in the corner of Vader. And Hogan has a man known as Renegade, who basically just looks the way Ultimate Warrior did when he was in a tag team with Macho Man in the WWE. Exactly. Yeah, he has a... Uh, he has an R painted on his face and he yells and that's kind of his character. He's a fucking Dollar Tree Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> that's all you need to know. And all I could think of when I pulled this man's Wikipedia page up is he's billed as five foot ten. I'm taller than this fucker. See, all I could think when I was pulling up his Wikipedia page is, God, I hope he's alive. I want to see him at a spring break. No. I know. Let's talk about it. <laughs> because <laughs> the match is what it is you if you're getting a fucking hogan match in the 90s before he turns heel you know what you're getting you're getting a big boot you're getting a leg drop you're getting a he gets beat up for a while and then shakes his head no yep you know what you're getting into with hulk hogan no different here um there is an allegiance between arn anderson rick flair and vader uh but we've got renegade and fucking macho man uh, backing up the Hulkster. Let's talk about Renegade. Um, I uh, The name was vaguely familiar. I guess uh, Renegade, Renegade, unfortunately, got released by WCW in 1999, and not too long after that, he apparently committed suicide. Oh, Jesus. That Yeah, that's fucking uh, crazy shit to be talking about right now. Uh, it's true. Uh, they had Renegade booked to be the next guy. They wanted him to be the fucking big star. Um in fact, they went as far as saying that on air. Like, Hogan was trying to pass on the future to this guy. Obviously, that never happened. And that's kind of an unfortunate story to hear uh, just a few years later. But um, the, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter voted him the worst wrestler of 1995. Man, well, you've got stuff to look forward to then because this is only March <laughs> of 1995. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets going well, here i'm gonna so, i'm gonna uh, give you a spoiler by great american bash 95 he does beat arn anderson for the uh, tv title well that was his only title reign he ever had. was it really it really really was well, i'm really happy i got to watch that one then <laughs> good good on you so we we put the bow on uncensored 1995 step on over opening match of fucking slamboree 1995 we're getting to revisit that Harlem Heat Nasty Boys feud. Goddamn right we are, and this one is hot, Derek. It's a hot fucking opener. Is this the one that made you pop? Yes! Did you pop for the pile driver? What I popped for was I didn't I still didn't think I cared about the Nasty Boys that much yet. But then what happened? So what happens in this match is uh before all of this happens, it's supposed to be Harlem Heat versus the Nasty Boys, but the Nasty Boys get attacked by the Blue Bloods, Stephen Regal and uh, Earl Robert Eaton. Little known fact, you know who used to be in the Blue Blood? Uh, Blue Blood. Uh, do you know who used to be in the Blue Bloods with William Regal? Who? Triple H. Oh, that was where he started yeah. as Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Uh, well, kind of. He wasn't. He wasn't that. He was terrorizing. I think terrorizing. Uh, 
That was uh, Triple H's uh, WCW guy. That's better. <laughs> Why would he ever change? His that? name was Tara Rising. Tara? I didn't. I don't like know the lady name. I didn't. I don't know if that was his name when he was in the Blue Bloods. For some reason, I Blue Bloods is like my fucking tongue twister. Um, but yes, the Blue Bloods attack knobs. Uh, and take him out yeah and sags has to wrestle this match by himself against two of the toughest son of a bitches in future wwe hall of famers and i think harlem heat good i hope i get to watch sags get beat up but you know what sags is holding his own real fucking hard against these two dudes can i just tell you there was something really fucking awesome i'm going to go back to that pile driver first of all shocking to see pile drivers being doled out no questions asked uh, that was wild. Two, you know how you have that moment in a tag match where there's the fucking hot tag and people lose their fucking minds? Yeah. Well, when fucking not when fucking knobs runs out to join his tag team partner, that's when Sags hits that fucking pile driver. That place goes fucking ape shit for the nasty boys. <laughs> it it is wild to see in here. And to see all the signs. Like the nasty boys were a lot bigger than I thought they were. Ugh. The fucking Nasty Boys defeat Harlem Heat to win the WCW World Tag Team Championships. And it feels like a moment. Yeah, and I popped. I felt like I was having a moment myself. I bet you if you go to Hogan's Beach Shop, you can get a Nasty Boys shirt. Oh, I'm sure you could. All I could think about was Knobs and Hogan riding around together and how that started. And WCW? Yes. Because aren't they still uh, good those, friends? I think they are. I know that he was a central character on Hogan Knows Best. <laughs> uh, what do we got after this? Let's see. We had uh, Kevin Sullivan ver- uh, versus the man with no name. We can probably skip that one. Yeah, nothing to mention here. Can we just get to the Alex Wright shit? For the love of God, Garrett. Wait, the Alex Wright shit. Was he on this pay-per-view? Are you fucking shitting me? Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong list. I watched a different Alex Wright match on the next pay-per-view. You owe me 20 push-ups. Derek, 20 the Alex Wright push-ups. match on Great American Bash was my favorite match I watched this weekend. Garrett, the Alex Wright match against Arn Anderson from Slambury 1995 would have been <laughs> one of the best matches at WrestleMania in the last five years. <laughs> Alex Wright fucking rules. Alex Wright and Arn Anderson put on one hell of a fucking match. And it look, I know, look, for those of you listening to this who do not know who the fuck Alex Wright is, Alex Wright may, may be one of WCW, WCW's best original fucking characters in the 90s. Is that fair to say? At least for playing him in a video game, he was one of the best. Well, but I I just mean straight up, like, I understand not, like, top draw talent-wise, but I'm saying, like, like you don't look at WCW and think, like, like, Hulk Hogan was their creation. But I'm talking, like, the Goldbergs and the DDPs. And the Stings, like, that's their top talent. But as far as, like, their undercard goes, Alex Wright is a wrestler that's German that wears a leather jacket and he dances. 
I loved the dancing. That's what you need to know. Alex Wright was in a tag team with Disco Inferno, and they were called the Boogie Knights. <laughs> and that's Knights, K-N-I-G-H-T-S. You see, and that name popped me to this day. That's good writing. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't have known until I watched this match with Arn Anderson that not only was Alex Wright the better per- like wrestler in his tag team, but with him and Disco Inferno, Alex Wright was miles ahead of Disco Inferno <laughs> at any point in Inferno's career. His ring entrance Ever. was a backflip off the top rope. The crowd fucking popped for his ring entrance. He was a baby face. I remember Alex Wright being a fucking heel in like 97, 98, 99. This Alex Wright was over with the crowd. Motherfucker, you don't even know 95 Alex Wright. <laughs> I just learned about 95 Alex Wright, and let me tell you, Go back and watch his match with Arn Anderson. It may, I'm sure a lot of it's Arn Anderson carrying him to a great match, but Alex Wright looks fucking fantastic. He's over. It was a damn good match, and it got me excited because now all I want to do is find other Alex Wright shit. Well, Derek, let me tell you, Great American Bash 1995, it opens with Brian Pillman versus Alex Wright. Barn burner. It was so fucking good. They were both so good. It was just watching because I don't when I go back and watch this era of WCW, I don't think of it being insanely athletic. I think of like, you know, either really large men throwing dudes around or, you know, just buff guys. But watching two actual like athletic guys put on an awesome wrestling match. It it didn't. It felt like a wrestling match that could have happened today, and I would have still enjoyed it. We need to give the people a warning about what we're gonna tell them. Um, Slamboree, nineteen ninety five, World Championship Wrestling. Uh, strap yourself in for this announcement: the IWGP Championship <laughs> is defended. By the great Muda against Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Wrap your fucking minds around that. You thought it was wild when Cody won the a- or the NWA championship from Nick Aldis at All In? That was an independent show, motherfucker. This is a pay-per-view. Okay. This is a WCW this- pay-per-view. WCW had a relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I, I'm sure you knew that. Right? I knew that, but I always forget it until I see New Japan people pop up in it. Yeah, this is a thing that happened. It was an okay match. They announced, and this is what I wanted to get back to. The match was what it was. Great Muda retains the title over Paul Orndorff with a hell of a moonsault, by the way. Like a really fast snapping moonsault. The way Great Muda moves, every movement he has, he just feels like he's moving like lightning. Yes. Are you excited to check out more Muda stuff in the future? Of course. <laughs> of course you are. There was We've got all the time in the world. There was yeah, like you said though, there was just this one little elbow drop he did and he dropped so fucking fast. It looked like he did a flip while he did it, but all he did was just a simple elbow drop. They announced First of all, Bischoff was on commentary for Slamboree 95, and Bischoff announced that Muda had been in WCW wrestling the year prior and that he wrestled a match at Spring Stampede 1994 against stunning Steve Austin. What? 
I want to go back and watch this. This is what I wanted to watch if I'd had more time. I, feel, I hear you fumbling over there. <laughs> I need to write this down. <laughs> Spring Stampede 1994, The Great Muda from New Japan. Wrestling future Stone Cold Steve Austin. That rules. Yeah, we're going to check that shit out. Yeah, let's do that next week. I'm completely fine. You know what? After I'm done with 95, why not go back to 94? <laughs> You just do a version of that where you go back in time. Um, what's after? What 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 else do you want to talk about from uh, Slamboree '95? Well, here? I feel like it would be a, a shame if we didn't mention that in the middle of this pay per view they had a Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which did not bring it to a screeching halt at all. You were into the Hall of Fame? No, I'm joking. That thing. It, oh no! But we got to see Baby Cody. That was fun. You did get to see Baby Cody. What Hall of Fame was it? The WCW Hall of Fame. WCW had a fucking Hall of Fame. Is it still around? <laughs> I don't think you can go visit it anywhere, but I'm sure if you look on WWE, just absorb yeah. it. I'm sure. Yeah, they all. I hope they got two rings. Nice. But no, the match I wanted to bring up. You, you were you just gonna breeze by Wahoo McDaniel versus Dick Murdoch? Yeah, I fucking breezed by it. Why? It was in black and white. They gave us two old men beating the shit out of each other, kind of. I mean, Garrett, I told you I watched most of this pay-per-view, and when I see the name Wahoo McDaniel, I said, I got to get to the main event. Derek, they put this match in black and white to remind you that they were old. (laughs) So they were doing what fucking Bray Wyatt's doing now and (laughs) adjusting the, uh, the lighting and the production. Garrett, did you have fun with it? I did. I had fun with this entire pay-per-view. Like I said, 1995 WCW is my shit right now. I love all these characters, (laughs) and I'm not done with these storylines. I'm going back, and I'm going to finish every pay-per-view from 95. Again, the the pay-per-view's main event is Hogan and Savage, you know, the fucking mega powers, against Ric Flair and Vader. Again, Renegades on the outside for Hogan and Savage, and we got Arn Anderson on the outside for Flair and Vader. You know what happens. Can I mention to you how fucking awesome that Hogan big boot to Flair is on the ring apron that sends him marching out like 30 feet <laughs> down the aisle before Flair takes the fucking pratfall, and I popped for it. <laughs> I've seen that shtick a million times. I'll see it a million more times. It'll never get fucking old watching Flair have to walk it off and then collapsing onto his face. Does going back and looking at these guys, like seeing Hulk Hogan in this time period, does it bring back childhood memories for you like it does me? It doesn't. Really? Like... It doesn't. Hogan really wasn't part of your childhood. I think, I I mean, I was culturally aware of Hulk Hogan. I just think that when I, my memories of Hogan were were him being like the cover, uh, like on the cover of a lot of the wrestling games. But I remember being more into a lot of the other characters on the game than Hogan. I can't remember which WWF game I played, but I always liked playing as The Undertaker. How dare you? I'm sorry. Wait, speaking um, of Undertaker, before we forget, I now that you mentioned Undertaker, because I know we're we're coming close to the end here, and I just want to make sure we don't not talk about Seven. 
Oh, we're going to talk about it, but you got to talk about the Great American Bash. Oh, do I still got to talk about that? Tell me about the next pay-per-view after Slamboree. Well, Great American Bash. And it is important to say at the end of Slamboree that Ric Flair and Vader, or no, I'm sorry, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson beat the shit out of Angelo Poffo, who is in his 70s. <laughs> that is the father of Macho Man and... Lonnie Poffo, the genius. It's just important to bring that up because Great American Bash, that is a big storyline because Macho Man for weeks has wanted a piece of Ric Flair but couldn't have a piece of Ric Flair until Great American Bash. Yeah, can I can I tell you that Lanny Poffo has a predetermined uh, button somewhere? <laughs> I hope he still has it. I hope he's still listening. I hope he still has it too. I hope he's one of our listeners. I hope he's one of our regulars product of downers grove illinois really yep yep one great american bash 1995 july take me there we were probably balls deep in some star wars playing at this point in time derek we're in dayton ohio the attendance is about six thousand. the people are packed into to the rafters of this place alex wright's fighting brian pillman it's awesome then after after a really good, honestly, this Brian Pillman match that was so good was the longest match of the entire night. And how long was uh, it? Almost 16 minutes. Wow. It went longer than so the main event. told them, go out there, kids, have some fun. Yeah, and I recommend going and checking this one out. It, it was fun. Just, honestly, I want to go back and watch some more Alex Wright shit other than the two that we watched. I'm totally in for that. Uh, we've got, we've got time. Let's see. What else did we get? We got, um, sting versus Ming for the U S title. It was a vacant title at that point. I love the U S title. Have I ever mentioned that before? I think you have. And I think I was surprised. I have an affinity for the United States championship. Do you have a favorite U S champion? Oh God. No, I mean, I, I, I've just always been a fan of the way the title looked. I mean, a lot of people who have been, been like world champions held the United States championship at one time. Uh, I remember the WCW version of the United States championship from the late 90s. I remember being a fan of that look. I'm still okay with the one they use in WWE. Is what it is, dog. I like the U.S. title. Uh, Sting is fighting Meng. That was good. Uh, let's see. We had Nasty Boys versus Blue Bloods. Renegade versus Arn Anderson. Nine-minute match. And what does Renegade do? He uh, does a lot of headlocks. Well, fucking Alex Wright did a ton of headlocks with Arn Anderson, but it was, it was fucking awesome. So I don't know what <laughs> Renegade fucked up. He, Renegade just watched the last match from the pay-per-view before and was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Just a bunch of headlocks. Arn, can we just do that? Let's just do the headlocks. All right, we'll give it a try. Uh, oh, maybe the main event of the entire thing, though. Dave Sullivan. You familiar with Dave Sullivan? I'm not familiar with Dave Sullivan, but I got pictures. He is the, uh, the brother <laughs> of Kevin Sullivan. Clearly he in this, it says he played the, the dyslexic brother. He was more of a Lenny from of mice and men. He had a rabbit in a cage. And this was a time when DDP was just arm wrestling everyone and calling himself the arm wrestling champion. I have to assume he was injured. 
Is that? <laughs> I didn't even consider that. I just thought like he was loving life. Like hell yeah, I get to be the arm wrestle guy. I mean, you got to understand that the like a, a sure giveaway a lot of times of a wrestler being injured is when they come up with a goofy ass fucking shtick for him to do that doesn't involve him taking bumps that he ends up doing for weeks and weeks. Right. Okay. As he recovers. Yeah. So this match, it was DDP versus Dave Sullivan, and the winner got to go on a date with Diamond Doll. Not Kimberly Page, mind you. Diamond Doll. Oh, it is uh, Kimberly Page. Is it, it is. I just looked it up. Her, her name was Diamond Doll at the time. Oh, so it is. Di- okay. Well, that's a hell of a prize. Then. That is a good prize. <laughs> and she actually fucked it up for uh, DDP and ended up making him lose. What a meanie. I don't think she meant to, but either way, Dave Sullivan got a date and that was a real nice thing. Hey, Derek, we got an email. Yeah, we also got a segment we got to talk about from <laughs> from Dustin Rhodes. Oh, fuck. Yeah, please, please, please. So we talked about how... Um. The fucking King of the Road match with Dustin Rhodes and, and Blacktop Bully was both of their last match in WCW before they got fired. Well, you made a point that, uh, you know, or we made a point at the beginning of the show that he goes back to, he goes to WWF and he becomes Goldust and has pretty decent success there during that first run as Goldust. Uh, he ends up coming back to WCW. I think this is like 1999. Dustin Rhodes comes back to WCW as a character called Seven, which if you don't know about this segment, if you are a fan of professional wrestling, listen to me now, stop what you're doing, pause the podcast after you hear this, and go to YouTube and type in WCW Seven Dustin Rhodes. And go look for this character's debut on WCW Monday Nitro. Holy shit. It is a combination of The Undertaker and Uncle Fester. (laughs) And Dustin Rhodes ain't happy about it. So this character has been appearing in vignettes. It's a guy wearing like a black trench coat, a giant fucking Undertaker style hat, and he's wearing white makeup all over his face except for right around his eyes <laughs> uncle fester keep it in mind it comes back up single greatest king... ring entrance i've ever seen to what came after it <laughs> this man dustin rhodes floats to the ring the lights go black there's fire Wait, when there's fall when derek says he floats to the ring this man flies to the ring, like arms extended, floats from the ramp to the ring. He is he is hovering. Slowly. He is hovering. Slowly is levitating. There is terrifying graveyard style music playing. And as soon as the fucking entrance is over, there's that cut the music moment, and fucking Dustin Rhodes proceeds to cut a shoot promo on WCW and <laughs> WWF and Gold Dust and fucking creative at WCW. If you have not seen this segment, get on YouTube, look this up. The character's name is Seven WCW Dustin Rose. Get on there, check that shit out. 
that's what my reference at the beginning of the podcast was when I said, fear me, you will, and that deep voice, you'll get it. Uh, the best part of that entire promo to me is he's going through, he's like, look at all this crap they have me wearing. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, partway through him bitching about his character, he just goes, oh, my name's Seven now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> But my favorite, favorite, favorite thing is that he knew he was going to get to that ring and bitch about that character, but he still had yep. to stand there with the safety guy and get hooked up to that harness and just with all the pyro, the fog, just to have this grand entrance to bitch about your job is incredible. Can we talk about the fact that you said he had to? We don't know that he didn't want to. Oh my God. Like, he he, he was could have requested forward. that. What? He could have. You're right. He could have been like, I think it'd be really fucking sweet if I fly to the ring and made fucking Turner Network Television pay for that fucking entrance. Just waste and their then time. Cut the fucking promo. That's fucking fantastic. Yeah, go go look that up. Uh, that's when fucking Dustin Rhodes came back to WCW, and then he went back to WWE for a really long time, and then he wound up in AEW. Garrett, as you were saying. We did get an email. Let's lay it on me. Uh, this is from our buddy Kevin Allen. It says, hey guys, just finished listening to the episode and heard you guys uh, suggest the next one be a throwback episode where you talk about anything the listeners suggest. May I recommend uh, you two watch Shimmer 113 and Kikitaru's Open Challenge at GCW Japan 2020 Night 2. And on that note, what are the best comedy wrestling matches you've seen, live or otherwise? Dig the new format. Hope y'all are holding up well in quarantine. And hope uh, are in that you keep up the good work. Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. We can definitely check. I like getting mail. We can definitely check those out for the next episode. That is not a problem. Like I said. I like getting mail. Send us more mail. Talk to us. That's a good question, though. Recommend Do you have a favorite comedy match off the top of your head? Um, I mean, do you consider the match that fucking Orange Cassidy had at Revolution against Neville or uh, not Neville <laughs> Pac? Is, was that a comedy match? I think that that could be like a high level comedy match. I think anything Orange Cassidy does is technically a comedy match. Well, if that's the case, that match got multiple standing ovations from an arena. Like, how can I not pick that one? That's a good point. I never even really thought about that. Have we seen other comedy matches that have gotten that high of praise from the audience? I don't think so. I mean, I would love to stand corrected, but... Uh, I mean, I, I hate to give you like a, a straight-up good, serious answer <laughs> and kill the debate, but I mean, I've, I've seen... Orange Cassidy wrestled Gangrel. Um, what other fun stuff have we seen? Let's see. I I know for sure uh, my favorite comedy match I've ever seen was at Bola, maybe 2016. It was a year that Jushin Thunder Liger was there. And during, it was a 10-man tag match. It ended up a train of people putting their thumbs in each other's butts and getting connected. And it was like Jushin Thunder Liger, Tommaso Ciampa, Alistair Black, uh, the lineup, Pete Dunn. I think everybody that was in that is signed now. 
but it was just a line of dudes with thumbs and butts. The other, maybe 2015, I saw a 10-man tag where it went slow-mo, and the entire crowd went slow-mo themselves, and we're doing the, this is awesome, as every wrestler in the ring is moving in slow motion. Just kind of seeing a comedy match where the entire crowd got to be a part of it, that was pretty cool. I think I might have to. Yeah, that sounds pretty, that's a good answer. I think that one might have to be mine. Garrett, this has been fun. Taking the trip back in time, 25 years, WCW. 1995 WCW is a fun place to visit when you're in lockdown. It is, and I'm ready to keep going there. And let's uh, look up some more stuff for next week that we can do that with. Kevin will watch the matches that you've asked for. And uh, yeah, check us out on social media. We're at Wrestle Hangout on Twitter. We're at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram. I am at Gartet on social media. Derek is at Halloween Halpin. Give us, uh, send us an email at PredeterminedPodcast at gmail.com. Send more mail. We love it. We love it. We're answering these emails now. I swear to God, I'm checking it every day. PredeterminedPodcast at gmail.com. No excuses. Send us a line. We love you. We love you. This has been fun. This has been fun. Hey, if you guys have any good uh, mid-90s pre-NWO WCW memories or matches, if you guys have high-quality Alex Wright matches that you want to send our way, if you got more great Muda shit that you want me to check out, if you've got stunning Steve Austin before he goes to WWF, send that stuff our way via one of the channels we just listed. Also, iTunes, five stars, leave a review, be awesome to us. We love you guys. This was so much fun not talking about what's going on in the world. And we're not going to. Ever again. Hit our goddamn music. <laughs>